This week's top five favorite bands of all time. We're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, Chris is going to go ahead and ask me some questions as I go through my list. This isn't a purely metal list. It's just it's just kind of our top five to tell you guys where we are, how we feel about music. Because, I mean, I mean, we say it in our intro, you know, it's not metal every time, but, it, but we are metal all the time. We are metal all the time, but we like rock music. We like all sorts of it. And we have our own top five bands like anyone else listening and we're going to talk about what those bands are now, there's going to be quite a variety i think here absolutely and keep in mind that this is our top five for bands in general but we will do a top five metal as well that's two separate things that we're going to do and uh this is just our top five bands of all time yeah that's to give you a feel of what we're into chris you want to go ahead and well, basically this time I think we're going to go down the list individually instead of bouncing it back and forth, because it's not a really a debate list, you know, so, um, I'll, you know, if you start, you can go five to one and we'll talk about those bands as you go. Yep. My number five, Suicidal Tendencies. Alright. Uh, you know, it's funny, because this is probably the most recent band on this list. Sure. It is yeah. my favorite. And uh, it all started at... Remember, remember when we saw them? Megadeth, I remember. Megadeth Suicidal, they played like that 30-minute set. Yeah, this was in 2016. 2016, yeah. From there, I kind of went on and uh, ventured into some of their stuff. Really fell in love with the attitude that they carry. That's a big thing for me when it comes to music, is attitude and how they present. It's not... I mean, it's about the music, but it's not just about the music. A lot of it's attitude right, and, and it just personality and, and stuff like that, so... Suicidal's number five for me. All right, well, I was wondering, though, um, were you, did you hear a lot of them before that? Because I know I was listening to them a little bit, you know, or did you did you hear them and not uh, mm. care for it, or did you just, like, not listen to them? I heard them about as much as any regular Metallica fan that wanted to look into Robert Trujillo would. Okay. I it's, guess you could say. Well, you knew about Institutionalized. Knew about Institutionalized. everyone's always quoting that. I knew the Pepsi joke. I, you know, I knew stuff like that, and uh, I, I knew that Robert was in the band early on. But after that, that show was what got me to really look into them, dig dig deeper, and uh, and, and start reading and listening to more, more of them. Yeah, I think it's a shame that that joke is probably one of the biggest things about them, because that catalog... I don't think that's a shame at all. I think that's one of the funniest, a, one of the best things about that band. It's a funny joke, but at a certain point, like, I kept seeing the only reference to Mike Muir being about Pepsi, and that man, first of all, he has a lot of crazy lines, but, you know... Somebody should do some, some research and see if Suicidal ever got uh, any royalties for that, from, from, from Pepsi. Probably not. Probably not. I would assume they, I would assume <laughs> yeah. they didn't. Yeah, number four... I uh, got their shirt on right now, Tool. Tool has been probably the biggest band in my life as far as, like, the, the longest... Like, I've been listening to them longer than any other band. Um, you know, everyone in our family's Tool. Tool people. Been yeah. to multiple shows. Uh, that speaks for itself. Right, yeah, I know. I love Tool myself. Number three, Stone Temple Pilots. This is why I was saying. This is why I wanted to explain to you guys that they, these are two different lists, because I know some of you are gonna get mad. Some of these bands that are in here, like STP and, and another one that's coming up later on in the list. But um, again, this isn't this isn't 1984. You know, we don't have to be a competition with each other. You can right. like who you want to like. This day and age, you can listen to you can whatever, listen to grunge, whatever you can listen speaks to, metal. to you. you. know, you just can't listen to country. That's the rule. <laughs> that's the number one rule. Yeah. Not even Outlaw Country. For, the, outlaw, for those of you even, who... The inevitable person in the comments, oh, well, there's some good Outlaw don't Country. Even listen to, don't even listen to Outlaw Country. It's a bunch of bullshit. 
wasn't good, it's not good. Johnny Cash, though, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that, but... But that's it. But you don't need to comment that you're going to do that. Like, we... Like, it's fine. Right after explaining that this day and age you can listen to whatever you want. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No country. Number two, the almighty Pantera. I mean, again, you know, this, this one, you know, it's funny because I think I got into Pantera heavily. You know, I mean, I always liked them, always listened to them, always knew about them, but I think I got into them heavily in 2013 or 2014. Watching, uh, you guys remember VH1? Was it only that long ago? I think so, yeah. I mean, again, I was always their fan, but I mean, like, when I became, like, like, like I'm at a point where I know everything. Right. About Phil and Sommel, about Vinnie Paul, about Dimebag, about Rex. Like, I know all their side projects, their birthday. Like, I'm a, yeah. like a super fan. Well, I got, yeah, I got a couple questions about that. All right. Um, one, well, first I want to uh, ask what you were about to ask. Was it uh, about watching Behind the Music? Yeah, the Behind the Music. Yeah, there's a point on VH1 where they played that all the time. But it's not it's not the episode that made me like them. Okay. It's throughout that episode they play Unbroken. Oh, okay. And I had never heard Unbroken up until that point. Oh, is now you got a glimpse. So when I got a glimpse and so when I got the when I when I saw when I saw the uh what's it called the, the the eclipse. Right. I had to see the whole moon the next day, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and well, I mean this is we had a we had a lot of these bands albums, you know, because we actually we're still we were like at like the tail end of that time when you had to go find the records, you know? Yeah. So, um I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we had Vulgar Sway Power and you were able to pick it up from one of us yeah. at that point and listen to it. I think that's what happened. I was uh that was that was kinda of the year I was eighteen. That was kinda of the year where I got more heavily into music and uh I was kinda of going to our I mean it's it's our local record store, but it's not our lo- It's Zia. Zia right. Records. If you're in the Southwest, you know them. Yeah, Arizona people. Yeah, and I was going there more often and, and picking up some albums and getting into some more stuff. So, uh, I don't know if it was you or if it was our dad or somebody. Somebody gave me Vulgar to listen to. And then after I listened to Vulgar, I went and got Cowboys. And then after I got Cowboys, I went and got the best one. Uh, oh yeah, your favorite is Far Beyond Driven. Yeah, it should be everyone's favorite. Probably their masterpiece, sure. My favorite is still Cowboys from Hell. I but... think I think Cowboys from Hell is their masterpiece, but um, Far Beyond Driven, from a pure heavy, groovy standpoint, mm-hmm. that's that's their best album. Yeah, they definitely went to a new level on that one. <laughs> Puns. <laughs> yeah, sort of. But... I, actually, the reason I want to ask you another Pantera question is because you mentioned side projects. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would agree with us, but if you look at all of the side projects and everything they did, there's kind of like a big difference between what the Abbott Brothers did yeah. and what Phil and Rex did. They went in their own direction. Until recently. Yeah, true. Because now Rex is doing his, and, and his is a lot of the uh, kind of more commercial-sounding metal. Yeah, well, they yeah they have their own separately, too. But yeah, Phil, Phil. Phil keeps it extreme. Phil usually. stayed true. I mean, if but that's that has a lot to do with Phil's background. So, do you think he went in the better direction, him and Rex, for the most part? Uh, yeah, I think we can all agree on that. I mean, if you if you prefer, if you prefer Damage Plan over Down, right? I have no interest in speaking with you about heavy metal. Yeah, I can't speak to like what they all listen to personally. I'm sure they all have, all had, and have really big. Uh, lists of influences in music, but I know that Phil's direction was always more raw than I'm a the Abbott Brothers. Son of a bitch. 
Right. I do not want to hear that <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, the, the brothers, you know, they definitely have seem to gear more towards what what's been considered like radio and mainstream rock. Well, Vinny is Vinny's a business. Vinny was a businessman. Right. Rest in peace. And he understood the importance of um, selling your selling your talents. Right. I mean, there's. I mean, in the '80s, he was glam because that's what was big. Yeah. In the '90s, he was able to be more free with you know and recreate this sound. Yeah. This the... energy. And then by, by the time Damage Band Damage Band came around in 2002, 2003, somewhere around that, they uh, you know, the the world was kind of gearing towards that new, the new metal, right? You know, the the uh, the corn and stuff like that. Yeah, they they were fortunately uh, around when in the 90s when there was a good market for extreme metal. And that's why yeah. Phil and Salmo with his different mm-hmm. direction really worked for them. He came from a more hardcore. He was into aggressive music. Yeah, that, that's that's why he, when it was. When he decided to do some side projects, first of all, you got to remember that his side projects came a lot earlier than theirs did. Yeah, that's true. You know, he started that his while problem. Pantera was still. That's what. Well, that's what initially tore them apart. Right. Was was uh, was his side projects, and, and Rex was a part of it. Rex was in the side project with him, you know, and so that that could have a lot to do with it because when they were creating their side, their their uh, new bands, there was no different sound. There True. was still that extreme music going on, but I still think, regardless of that, based off of the newer stuff that uh, Phil comes out with today, where yeah. it's still really extreme, I, I, I don't think that would have changed what he sounded like, and and a lot of it dates so far back to when he was a, a young kid and playing in the hardcore scene in, in, in New Orleans and stuff like that, so... Yeah, just one of those guys. Just one of those it's guys. always going to be like that. It's just, it's you know, cool. I mean, I think, he, I think he said he owns, like, 400-plus horror movies. Something like that. It's probably a bigger... Yeah, bigger I mean, he did a now, he did so. an interview at his house, and for those of you that don't, that don't know, one of the most underrated interviewer, interviewee, is mm-hmm. Phil Ensemble, but he did an interview at his house, and his house is just... It's exactly what you imagine. Right. Horror movie and metal music memorabilia yeah. all over the place. I haven't seen it, but I can imagine, and as yeah. you said, it's what I probably imagine. It's what you imagine. Lives yeah. on a swamp in New Orleans. Right. You know, yeah. He's yeah. the man. So that's number two. Number one. Was that number Yeah. Huh. Well, so here's the thing about my one and two is that they're uh, reversible at any time. You know, they're like those basketball shorts where some, sometimes they can be blue, sometimes they can be black. All Flip right. them inside out. So... I'm gonna say number one, but this band is very easily number two sometimes, and then Pantera is number one. It goes back and oh, forth. Oh, okay. Um, but Pearl Jam is num- is number one. Right. And uh, that's probably, you know, Pearl Jam's first album came out in '91, ten. Cowboys from Hell came out in '90, and I think if you were my age in 1990, 1991, I don't think you were allowed. For those to be your number one and number two bands. Oh, but yeah, I'm sure. And one, once you know, we just go by the rules we hear existed back then. Yeah. We're part of a new generation that's a little more okay with just like yeah. listening to rock. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know the the funny thing is that if you really look at a lot of what uh, Pantera is singing about, yeah, and a lot of what Pearl Jam is singing. I'm not I'm not talking about politically. I'm talking about like human rights issues in general. Yeah. In general. It's it, it's a similar it's a similar concept, right? You know, and then on top of that, you had the you had that these were two bands who were helping create a new generation of music. True. And they yes they sounded completely different, but they still are important to what we call the the carpet of, of rock right. and roll. But isn't Pantera and aren't well aren't Pantera and Pearl Jam sort of credited with 
the same. So even though they weren't in the same genre, they they both kind of were credited with killing hair metal. Yeah. So it's almost the same new movement. Yeah. It was more. It was more real. Yeah. I mean, depending depending on what side of the uh, of the debate you were on at that time, you credited those bands. I mean, Nirvana as well, Soundgarden. You know, but you credited those bands with the demolition of hair metal, which for some, yeah, most. It's a good thing for me. It's a good thing, you know? right? You know, some you know, people complain about. I know Chris it. is a huge hair metal guy. Uh, yeah, but I, it's I would probably have his been top more his excited. top five metal bands include Warren and Poison. Oh, definitely not. I would have been more excited yeah, about the about the grunge and the groove metal. For Which sure. do you think you would have been on at the time? I, you, I can't tell you, man. It's a, at the time if I was um like in high school. You know, like, uh, I don't know if I was pretty young. I definitely would have been more into the aggressive stuff. I got into hair metal and stuff later, you know. But I probably would have not liked it back then because I've never... um, See, it looks cool now, but when when it's, like, in style and it's the trendy thing, and it's very obvious that these are the bands that are more likely just selling out, which is not always the case, but it is, I probably would have rejected it like anyone else. Well, let's say the year is 1990. It just aged well. Let's say the year is 1993 and... You have the choice of either going to a uh, Pantera and a Megadeth show, or okay. a Pearl Jam and a Nirvana show. Which one are you going to? Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Pantera. Oh, okay, with that. Well, uh, oh, man. I said 1993, didn't I? Yeah. I don't know, but I've seen Nirvana in 1993. No, yeah, depending you could. Depending on the month. No, you could have, because... He died in 94? Yeah. No, he died in 93. No, it was four, right? Somebody looked that up. <laughs> need a research guy. So you asked me if I would rather go to Megadeth and Pantera, yes, or Nirvana and Pearl Jam in 1993. Yes. Um, April 5th, 94. By the way, same April 5th is the same day as Link State. Okay. Sorry about that. But anyways, yeah. Go ahead. Um. Well, I can't really tell you, man. I mean, I would probably rather have gone to Megadeth and Pantera. I mean, but I love Nirvana. You know, Pearl Jam yeah. would have been cool to see, especially back then. Pearl Jam, uh, Pearl Jam was uh, still pretty like good, like hard rock, like more of a hard rock band. Yeah. At the time, um, they're more, and you're into like all of their stuff, right? Like they they've gone into yeah. a lot of various different directions. That's the. See, and that's, I I like the early Pearl Jam. That's a whole nother con. I could probably fill an hour just talking about the different albums of Pearl Jam. Right. Because of because of that, I mean, ten. There's there's not another Pearl Jam album that sounded like ten. You know, and there's really not. I mean, the the two closest are probably Versus and, and uh, Vitalology because right. that's kind of when they were working through who they were gonna be. Okay. But other than that, like none of them sound the same. They're yeah. always influenced by something that makes them want to write a particular way. Yeah, I've given them uh, most of them a listen. And it's, right. it's interesting. It's just man, it really stands mm-hmm. out, and it, you know, I prefer the style of 10 oh yeah i mean basically. that's i think every pearl jam fan agrees that 10 is the better album but like even their their new album gigaton is still still a good album you know? yeah it's sometimes when you really get into one of the yeah. uh later albums or after the first few albums like you almost forget that pearl jam's a rock band yeah you know yeah i mean i i would still <clears throat> I, I would rather listen to pearl jam's new album despite that it sounds nothing like 10, then have to sit through, like, you know, anything Kanye West has put out in the last 20 years. Yeah. So. It's still good music, for sure. For sure. So cool. That, 
that's your top five. Are you able to recap the top five real quick just by name? Yeah. Suicidal. Okay. Number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, my list is uh, kind of interchangeable all the way through. Right. Tool, number four. Yeah. STP, number three. Pantera, number two. And Pearl Jam, number one. My see- top five all time. Not metal. I'm not trying to say Pearl Jam is metal. Calm down. <laughs> all time. Right. And there you go. And here, here's for uh, another list that um, is not very metal at all. And that's my top five bands. These have been my top five bands forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, two of them, you know, uh, are for the punks. This is this is uh, a couple of punk bands on my list here. So let's start. Number five is uh, the Misfits. Excellent choice. Right? Borderline metal. Border, well, I mean, definitely the Graves era. Do you know Graves what happened era. there, man? With who? Um, With what, the Graves era? Uh, yeah, and I don't... Well, in, you know, there's a lot of time in between the Danzig era and uh, the Graves era. And apparently what happened at one point is... Uh, I read the guys from the band Necros, the hardcore punk band, mm-hmm. were hanging out with Jerry Only and Doyle. <laughs> and because I believe they were like good friends, they played a lot of shows together, and they gave cool them party. some what? Cool party. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, they gave some uh, uh, Iron Maiden records to these guys, hmm. and then they decided. I mean, Doyle's uh, they've probably always were metalheads, but I heard that Necros introduced them to Iron Maiden, and they went in a more metal direction. Eventually, they started a metal band in the '80s called Christ the Conqueror, because nice. people forget, you know, like they. They're Christians. Yeah. This was a Christian metal band. It was better than Striper, but it was pretty cheesy yeah. still. And um, so I think you hear that in their playing yeah, in the Graves sure. era. For sure. Um, I love the Danzig era the most, but I'm the way you are with um, Pantera, where you know about all the guys in the directions they went in. Yeah. And I think certain bands, man, like just have members that are always going to do pretty well. Yeah. Like Doyle's sure. solo music is good. Uh, Danzig's solo music is good. Danzig's... I think you could make an argument that, first of all, Danzig... Yeah. That is metal. Oh, it is. I think that is metal. Danzig's metal. But not only that, but I think if you were to come up with a a list of the best solo projects, side projects, bands after their original band, Danzig might be number one. Uh, I mean, Dio's probably one. It's probably Aussie, but right. Danzig's up there. Danzig's Danzig's in the top five. Right, and it's definitely the number one as far as any side projects associated with the Misfits go. Yeah. But the best thing, if you ask me, out of everything, is the Misfits with um, Danzig, and that's when I get to the point where I explain why it's my favorite band. Uh, two of the first albums I bought with my own money, as they say, which when I was twelve was just like allowance or whatever. Mm. You know, I bought Iron Maiden. Allowance. Whatever it was, but you know, sometimes when you're a kid, you come across money and you buy, go to the record store. I don't know, I had like 20 bucks, I guess, and I bought Killers by Iron Maiden, and I bought Walk Among Us by The Misfits, and they were two perfect albums to have. Like they're both like pretty dark, you know, and perfect all the way through. Mm -hmm. But nothing's more perfect than Walk Among Us. Oh no, that's like one of the few albums that's good all the way through. And uh, since that point. The Misfits have pretty much been one of my favorite bands. For sure. Number four is similar, and it's weird, but it's The Germs. The Germs. And it, 
it's it's weird because we talked about how like when you compile lists and you go by genre, sometimes it changes. You Tell know? them about your germ burn. I will. I'll Tell get them to that. Tell about your germ burn. I'll do that. But first, let me explain, man. Sometimes, like, if you look at it in the context of just like which bands mean the most to you or that you can appreciate the most, um, it doesn't go in the same. In the same. So when you compile a list of bands, like in the context of what they mean to you, mm-hmm. or uh, what stands out about them, uh, it might be different than when you're going by genre. It's very weird because if I, I would say that the Misfits are a better punk rock band than the Germs. I probably, in the context of punk, probably enjoy them a little more. But like, when I think of favorite bands in general, yeah, I sometimes it's what they represent and what they're about, you know, and the Germs, obviously, the album G.I. is a very good album, you know, like, the music has to sound good. Yeah, for sure. Um, or else it really doesn't matter that much, but I just love what they were about, you know, I love uh, Darby Crash and his story, and uh, you asked me about this Germs burn, I, I may or may not have a legitimate Germs burn, uh, for those of you who don't know, the people, uh, in the germs would burn each other with cigarettes because Darby Crush <laughs> had this thing about uh, being in a circle, you know, and uh, the people in his life yeah, yeah. who were important to him For sure. uh, were part of that. And the deal was, like, you could expand that circle. But whether or not mine actually came from that line, it's not legitimate because I'm not part of that circle. But yeah, my friend who used to live in California, basically, when I met him, we used to be in a punk band, he said... Uh, I saw the Germs, you know, with Shane West, yeah, because they basically uh, play with the guy who played him in the movie sometimes, and he said he asked the bass player for a Germs burn, and, um, no, I'm sorry, it was his friend who did this, got a Germs burn from the bass player, uh, I don't even know if I should believe that she said yes to this, so he gave my friend one, my friend gave me one, and I apparently have like a fourth or fifth uh, down the line germs burn. I don't know. I thought it was cool when I was 18, you know, and I thought yeah, um, I may have been one of them. I don't know. Number three. Number three, um, my third favorite band of all time is The Replacements. Hmm. I don't know how much you know about them. Yeah. You know, it might, I think it's always been one of those ones for you where it's like you're not going to listen I'm to just them. not going to get down on them, bro. I'm right. just not going to get down on The Replacements. Yeah, it just has a lot to do with, um, like, when you're a teenager, you know, the first song I heard about The Replacements uh, was probably actually Bastards of Young, but the one I really, like, remember listening to was called Alex Chilton. Yeah. Those guys wrote it about Alex Chilton, the power pop uh, songwriter from Big Star, and before that, the Box Tops. But the way the song sounded, obviously, is what caught my attention. First time I heard it, it was on VH1 Classic, you know, we used to watch that all the time. Uh, yeah. And first time it came on, I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't even really know what this is. Second time, I remember trying to fall asleep, and this came on, and I, uh, you know, just was like, Got oh. down. I was like, oh, hey, that's... Just get down with the get down. It's a pretty amazing song. And that's then, all you can do. Yeah. Huh? It's one of those things, man. Sometimes it's just special, you know, and then, so I ended up liking all of their albums and I think they're really really good songwriters yeah I mean so. in four years they'll probably be one of my favorite bands yeah it'll happen that happens a lot so the replacements what it is with them basically is um, 
Although, you know, I love all, all of their songs for the most part. That mm-hmm. song, Alex Children, is still my favorite. And the way they describe um, that man, Alex Children, in that song, and what their music is to them, it actually became, like, when I listen to it, it's kind of like how I am with them. Because they have one of those fan bases, and I'm one of those fans, you know, where it's just like, um, not everyone gets it, you know, that's why they probably sure. aren't a, a very big band, but um, they certainly have, like, a cult status, you know, and... Oh, yeah. It's them and Husker Du, man, the two Minnesota bands. You know, where those of us who like the replacements also love them. So such Minnesota bands. So there's there's a mention. Such, yeah. such Minnesota bands, those two are. Right, Husker. and I couldn't not mention them. You know? Yeah. So what's your number two? Yeah, they are. But uh, let's see. Uh, my number two, my second favorite band of all time is Stone Temple Pilots, mm-hmm. and that's your third favorite band. That's the yep. reason I didn't ask anything about it yet. We already kind of knew this anyway, you know? For sure. But I figured since I'd talk about them, and then I would ask you some questions about them and also sort of describe why I love them. You know, this is one of those bands, like, we just mentioned that there are a lot of bands that you don't like and that you get into, right? Yeah. And it's just for what it's just for whatever reason, you know. Now STP, I heard a lot of. Yeah. And that's because they're always on the radio. For some reason, when I was growing up, I did not like them very much. I, hated I them. yeah, I I guess I associated them with what came after grunge. I did, yeah. I and did especially too. vocally, you know, yeah. which is kind of they say Eddie Vedder kind of started that. Although I think like Scott Weiland, it's like, it's like it was like both of them. Yeah, but Scott Weiland in uh, the first two albums, especially in Core, the first yeah. album is like really uh, that that <gasps> But you know what you realize is that it's it's like genuine like when it comes from yeah. them and it's just it actually sounds good so at some point i after revisiting uh that that's wait pause that, that's the difference though okay between scott wyland and uh eddie better and the guys that came in the post grunge era is that those two weren't shaping their voices to be something right that's just how they sound yeah that's exactly how they say it is right yeah and then like, the guys that came after, yeah, the most famous uh, rip-off of all. Oh, man, uh, I don't, uh, do we even need to mention them here? Well, you know, you guys figure it out yourselves. Yeah, but, uh, well, you can mention it if you want, I don't with, say it. You had a lot of controversies <laughs> with a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, they, they were purely just ripping off the sound. Right, you know? and, and you know, they, it's that's the way they say it is, like, when, when it comes out of... When that comes out of them because it's the way they feel, there's a difference. You don't hear... Sometimes you associate with something that came later, which is not fair. Yeah. But it was like revisiting um, Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart from the third album, Tiny Music. Yeah. That, um, where I realized that I actually really like them. And this is actually... Scott Weiland had a different vocal approach at that time. I think that's uh, when they... Like, a lot of bands have that album where they become who they are and yeah. I, I hear like the purest form of Stone Temple Pilots and everything they're about in the third album I, w- I would like to um, add on to what I said about the guys working off the sound or whatever but you gotta understand I, I don't have a problem with you being influenced by somebody and wanting to kind of sound like them and base your music off them but I do have a problem when bands come out and they don't pay homage to the people that came before them right uh, example number one Greta Van Fleet Okay. The little shit. <laughs> like, whoop his ass once or twice, oh, you know? My. I mean, he likes... He he refuses to admit that he sounds like Robert Plant. It's a funny thing. I don't care if you're doing it on purpose or not. Right. I mean, I can't I can't prove that he's doing it on purpose, but you sound like Robert Plant. Dude, Why but, is it so hard for you to just say, yeah, I know I do, isn't that cool, isn't that awesome? Be, be, Wouldn't you guys love to sound like Robert Plant? 
Yeah, it seems like bands that, like, are really trying to do something that's totally been done before, like, they like to not mention those influences. Yeah. Like, when you ask them, it's like, oh, well, we, we're actually more like Aerosmith. They're not like Aerosmith. They're not like Aerosmith. Okay, come They're on. They're like goddamn Led Zeppelin. Yeah, because Aerosmith is way more straightforward. What? The, yeah. thing, the thing is, is, like, why don't you own it? And then, like, Just do it. And then, yeah. like, ten years from now... Because Robert Plant and Jimmy Page are still going to be alive, right? And uh, uh, and and in ten years from now, I'll just be like, hey, do you think we can make an album of covers of right. Led Zeppelin and sound exactly like you guys and sell millions of copies and make millions of dollars off of it, right? And we'll give you royalty, like they could, they they should. And I will say this to their credit, though, um, they are pretty good at doing what they do, and yeah. I'm I'm well, I mean, I'm just hoping that you know a lot of. A lot of musicians that I think went on to become famous and well-known and unique probably sounded like other people. Maybe not that I mean, blatantly, but I just hope they form their own sound, man. My thing with them, though, is that it's easy to be good at what you're doing if you have a 40-year catalog mm-hmm. to uh, create the sound that you're now creating. Right, but I just mean, like, you know, it's to to actually do that well with it. Yeah, but... but I don't know, yeah, I just... The, but back to them, like, not admitting to their influences. I remember this with the new wave of thrash, too. Yeah. Like, on this documentary, I remember, like, this... One of those, like, newer thrash bands, which a lot of them are really good. A lot of them But I, good, yeah. I don't remember which one this was, but... They're asked, they asked them, like, oh, what are your influences? Um, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we're just taking after ACDC no, and not. Motor... No, uh, the bands that you're taking after... Yeah, took are... a, they took after ACDC. Yeah. You're taking off of, off of Metallica and Megadeth, yeah. you know? Just... And that's the answer they would have given, but they don't want to say... Why is that such a bad Oh, we're thing, taking though? off of Metallica and Megadeth, because then people are going to be like, oh, are you trying to sound like them? Because they sound like them. But nobody's going to say that if you're genuine. If you're just saying, right. I, yeah, I'm influenced by... It, like, if you're Greta Van Fleet... And you just say, yeah, we're, we're heavily influenced by Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, and so we we try to sound like them because we like them. We're not trying to steal any music. One one interview. Right. Being genuine about why you sound the way you sound, which is going to come up in any in an interview. Right. If you're just genuine, no one's going to question it. No one's going to care. Yeah. As long as you don't come out and say, yeah, we, we, we take their songs and then we tweak a little bit and call it our own. As long as you don't say that, which is what I feel like Greta Van Fleet does. They do. Then yeah. you're good. Well, yeah, I would respect the band saying, like, hey, man, we're derivative because this is just what we like to do. Then it's not even, like, a crime. It's like, I don't okay, even think, I don't even think it it's is. a matter of respect, though, because if you watch interviews from, like, 1995 and earlier, mm-hmm. nobody ever had a problem with being, like, yeah, we were, you know, like, look at Dimebag Daryl. Right. The man had a kiss tattoo. He did. And not, like, a, it said kiss. Yeah. It was Ace Frehley's face. True. But then they created their own sound. But, but, but still, I'm just saying, you had no problem just being like, yeah, I fucking loved Kiss. That's the reason why I started playing guitar was because Kiss. Yeah, there's that. You know, it's just a different thing. Yeah. But that's that's the thing about this day and age that we could go into later. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you one more question about Sons of Pilots. I, I kind of explained what my thing is with them, but um, I always wondered if you kind of just liked Core, or if it's their whole catalog that's like mm-hmm. some of your favorite music. I mean, Core, Core is the best album. Because I know I know how much you like Core and we we you know we jam yeah, on that I mean, stuff. Yeah, I mean Core is Core is the best album. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's superior to everything they wrote. But I mean, uh, I would say their first three albums are what I like. Yeah. Their first three are where really where I venture, and then 
like all the newer stuff they did. Right. I don't listen to any of that. Or, yeah, I, I, I definitely like the first uh, six. Yeah. With Scott. I mean, you could say the first five is kind of a separate era. They came back with Scott. Yeah. You know, they made a pretty cool album, self-titled. They did... The album uh, that they did after that is also self-titled for yeah. some reason, but with the new singers, I'm okay with it, kind of, because, um, the uh, you know, for me, the, the DeLeo brothers, Robert DeLeo, the bass player, and Dean DeLeo, the guitar player, are just so good at writing music. Yeah. That's why sometimes when you replace the front man... Like, it may not be exactly the same, but you have people backing the band that are very good at what they do. For sure. So, there's, uh, there you have it. Stone Temple Pilots being my right. second favorite band of all time. I'll get a... Uh, Pretty heavy uh, sidebar there. It, it was. No, okay. but that's fine, man. We're, okay. we're talking about... Number one. Talking about these bands. Tier number one. All right, so my favorite band of all time is Jane's Addiction. Here we go! Yep. Here we go. Jane's Addiction. Oh, another band that I will never understand. Right, but you ha- you appreciate them at least. Right? <laughs> okay. I, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, man. Um, I have respect for them, I guess you could say. I don't see. Maybe some, for for Avery. Yeah, he's probably one of my favorite bass players, but I do like Robert DeLeo from STP a lot better. That's my favorite. But Eric Avery is very good and underrated, as well as Robert DeLeo. But Jane's Addiction, I don't haven't listened to him like a lot for a while because that's how it is with your favorite band sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you know, the reason they'll always be my favorite is because of that period of time when I was growing up when I was always listening to them. I just decided at a certain point, you know, um, without even really thinking about it, that there's just not a better sound out there. And it's not even for me. It's like I don't say things like, "Oh, it's the most musically interesting," as in like technical, because I'm not looking for that, for you sure. know. But um, just the way it sounds is very appealing to me. So, Jane's Addiction. I should probably just do a segment on right. Jane's Addiction because they're obviously like historically important and right. uh, they were important to music when you look into it. For sure. But um, yeah, just it's not a better sounding band. When it comes to your absolute favorite, sometimes you don't have a lot to say. For sure. It's just listen to Jane's Addiction. Yeah. You know. Give us your top five recap. Top five recap. So my top five favorite bands are The Misfits, specifically with Danzig, that's the best there is, but The Misfits, okay? I love it all. The Germs, The Replacements, Stone Temple Pilots, and Jane's Addiction. There you go. There's our top five all-time favorite bands. Not to be mistaken for our top five metal bands. We know that Jane's Addiction and Stone Temple Pilots is not metal. Right, and my list wasn't metal at all. But thanks for listening, and uh, we want to know your top five. If you ever feel like sending it, you know, we might talk about it. All right, now comes the time of the episode where Chris gives us his album of the week. This is the album that Chris thinks you need to go to your local record store right now, pick up a copy, listen from front to back, acknowledge the artwork, do it old school, man. Just enjoy what you're doing. This album that I'm going to recommend today is Iron Maiden's fifth album, Power Slave. Um, I'm shouting this one out for people who might not be very into Iron Maiden yet. Uh, A lot of people listening are probably big enough fans of Iron Maiden to have heard all of their albums. Uh, My favorite one, one well actually the first five Maiden albums to me are about equal, you know. But Power Slave has, I think, actually the best guitar solos. Yeah. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner being a song that I believe runs 13 minutes and 39 seconds is the album Closer. And it's very powerful. I think that was their peak. 
and they don't don't generally write songs that long, so I think uh, they took it to a new level on that one. Absolutely. Power Slave, Iron Maiden, this week's album. Chris's album of the week. All right, and here we have a series of three questions to test my metal knowledge once again, so fire away. All right, here we go. The first one's a two-parter. Okay. What country are the Scorpions from, and who is their lead singer? Oh, that's easy, man. The Scorpions are from Germany, and they are fronted by Klaus Meine. What was the name of Van Halen's third album? Van Halen's third album was not called Van Halen 3. It was called Women and Children First, which was, uh, I believe that was released with fair warning on some tapes. Sure. Right. What was Tommy Lee's first solo project after leaving Molly Crew? That must have been Methods of Mayhem. Okay. Now you got the three. Alright. This is the, uh... Oh, we're gonna throw this in the bonus one. round. This okay. is the bonus, the bonus track. That's good because you know it's kind of a waste, man. Is talking about methods of mayhem, dude. What is track one on Korn's album "Follow the Leader"? What? You are. Oh man, "Follow the Leader" is it? Uh, Freak on a leash? No. I don't know anything about Korn, man. Five seconds of silence. Okay, never heard it. You know, well, I would say. My metal knowledge is pretty good on this one. I'd say you got your three out of three. I would say my new metal knowledge is horrible. You got, well, yeah, Limited. Limited to the hits, I guess. Had to throw a tough one in there for you. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta bring it, man. You gotta make these harder. Hey. They'll, uh, they'll increasingly get more and more intense as we go. We gotta start off easy. Let you we are, yeah. I don't wanna start off with the most obscure question that they, that... You know, anyone's ever heard. Yeah, because I know people are going to be like, seriously, bro, like Van Halen's third album, you know? It's gotta, well, it's got to be fun for them, too. Yeah. Well, people are out there listening with some serious knowledge about some obscure bands. Oh, yeah. And uh, we would like them to send some questions into us, hint. Absolutely. Well, but, that's, but that's send what them... brings us to our next segment, part of your trivia. Okay. We got an Send email. those to Nick, by the way, because uh, you can't send them to me because I can't know what he's going to ask. You can send any any emails, any questions that you want to submit to the show. You can send it to the Metal Hour Six Six at Gmail dot com. You can also send it to our. You can DM us on Instagram. Right. Uh, yeah. Question number one from JB seventy two at Yahoo dot com. JB seventy two at Yahoo dot com asks Chris, what is your preferred axe to play on when playing a metal show? Question, preferred acts. Uh, I like Jackson guitars, sure. What about amps? I like Rhodes V's. Amps? Oh! <clears throat> amps! Dude, I like to play through big Marshall amps. There you I go. Don't, I don't play through a half stick, but I play through a big Marshall MG. I don't know much about equipment, but you know what, dude? I, I guess I know enough to know that the Marshall amp is the only amp you really need. We're going to have to have a discussion about our. Uh... Our, our standards of equipment. Yeah. At some point. Our views on equipment. Our views on equipment. And how, like, you know, you know, we're all overthinking it. Everybody's overthinking equipment. Every single person time. currently in a band is overthinking their equipment. You do not need the best of the best to play a gig at a bar that is going to have maybe three people there. 
Right. It's about getting your chops down. Do you know what good equipment is good for? What's that? It's good for making someone who knows how to write a good song sound better. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the better your equipment gets and the better the sound you've gotten, you don't really want to go back. So sure, yeah, expensive equipment is good, and you should have decent equipment, but it has become more of a status symbol somehow. Yeah, it's not that we don't think that you should get it. By all means, if you have the ability to get it, then get it. But don't become one of those people who won't jam with someone if they don't have $5,000 worth of equipment or refuse to play show or think that you're not allowed to play shows because you don't have... Play with what you've got. Yeah. Make it happen. Right. Follow from a friend if you have to. You know, especially teach your equipment together. Yeah, and sure, metal music. You know, sure, it needs a it needs a loud sound. It needs needs to sound good. But um, just listen to what people are playing and how it feels. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. So like we said, email us any questions. Uh, the metal hour six six at gmail dot com. You can also DM us on Instagram. You can find us over there. Uh, every week we'll do a little question, we'll add it into Chris's trivia, or, you know, it might not be his trivia, but it's just a question for Chris, myself, possibly his trivia, it'll be around that segment time. So yeah, metalhour66 at gmail.com or Instagram, you can DM us. Yes, and on both Instagram and Twitter, we actually are under the name Real Metal Hours. 